0: is brooklyn in the house today this episode of the everybody eats podcast we chop it up with mia hall we explore how brooklyn has made an impact on the culture going from hampton to harvard the impact of april walker and walker Wear, and from being a player to making major moves in the sports industry and never forget everybody eats b i ain't eating you ain't eating what you mean you ain't you ain't making this paper man everybody eats b <laughs> Like coat. My milkshake brings all the boys to the yard. And- cool, so we're going to hop right in. Uh, being from Brooklyn, how do you think your city has impacted hip hop culture?
1: Oh, yeah, we are getting right to it. I love it. Tom, um, wow, I think my city has impacted hip hop culture in a major way. Um, shoot, from, from the very beginning, I mean, I feel like we have a, uh, you know, strong, strong foundation. Mm-hmm. Um, in and, and just, I feel like one of the most celebrated, if you ask the top five, I guess the most successful rappers who their top five is. Mm-hmm. I doubt any one of them any one of them would not mention Notorious B. I. G. So, you know what I mean? I feel like we have a strong foundation there. Mm-hmm. Um, and just and just everybody, you know, that was before him and I would say after him. Mm-hmm. Um, with the with and, and just what we've done for our culture as as a whole, um, you know, just from the street art, you know, graffiti to, you know, our um you know, beatboxes and, you know, just uh clothes and designs and, you know, shout out to walk away hip hop, you right, know
2: right,
1: women's fashion, you God. know, coming out of there. You know, so um so yeah, no, Brooklyn I feel like has had a, a great influence um on hip hop culture, giving us some of the greatest um and and still, you know, still continuing to give us some of the greatest people in hip-hop so i think fact. we've done a lot i
0: think we've done a lot that's a fact that's a fact and to do a complete you know 360 how did you get into speaking
1: uh um so i got into speaking um i i, I don't know if i would say at an early age but um you know grew definitely born and bred in brooklyn and you know in this in my early years, I was a performer. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of used in the stage, East New York Theatrical Workshop. You know, I grew up in pink houses, so you know they shout out the figures. <laughs> right. yep. All right, all right, yep. So, so I used to dance right in that community center, mm-hmm. and they used to, you know, put us on stage. So, you know, I was used to the stage and you know just being in front of people and things like that. So, um, I transitioned into kind of doing it um, for uh, for professionally when I got to college
2: mm-hmm.
1: and and you know I would I would do it for like Bible studies I I probably started in the church so you know I would teach Bible studies and things like that and then when I graduated um, and had the opportunity, you know, to go to Hampton. I had the opportunity to go to Harvard and not many people from pink houses, or at least that I knew went to Harvard. So people would always ask me to come and speak to their students. Like, you know, just as somebody that, you know, like made it out and you know what I mean? So they would just ask me to always come for career days and stuff like that. And, you know, just tell people like about how you went from the hood to Harvard. And so I was like, okay, you know, that's how I really started doing it. And I started to love it, like seeing the kids' faces, like, oh, you know, like you went to China, you went to Harvard, like da 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 Mm -hmm. And, you know, I really started to, um, started to know that it was a gift. So that's really how I started with the career days. And people just asking me like, hey, can you come speak? Hey, can you come speak? And my, my, my high school asked me to speak at a graduation. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it was like from there, you know, I just fell in love with it. And, um, and yeah, I started to take it more seriously when the mentor of mine, Alfred Edmonds, he was like, man, I think you should, you know, like do this as a profession. Like, mm-hmm. why not? Cause yeah. he did it on the side of what he did, um, you know, as an editor, um, at Black Enterprise. So he was like, yo, like, you know, just go for it. And I was like, all right, bet. let's yeah, do it. <laughs> it. <laughs>
0: Indeed. 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 So you mentioned going to Hampton, um, and Hampton is an HBCU. What was the difference between Hampton and Harvard?
1: besides the obvious difference right 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 um man <laughs> it was a lot um you know Virginia well Hampton Virginia at least well probably I don't know there are any real big cities in Virginia
2: yeah.
1: um but you know um it was definitely very um you know rural and it was a little bit um slower especially than Brooklyn and yeah. New York yeah so that was that was a big difference just you know the atmosphere and being in Boston and You know, where everybody wasn't the nicest. I mean, (laughs) you know, um, definitely that. I mean. Um, so just being able to get on the train in Boston as opposed to, you know, from class, as opposed to Virginia where you gotta ask somebody for a because I didn't I never had a car. That's so that's a fact. You know, VA, it's over for you. <laughs> it's over, you know
0: what I mean? I was on my rollerblades,
1: honestly, going to like Target to <laughs> and for real, for real, you know, going miles like <laughs> almost on the highway darn near. Damn. But um but yeah, so that was a big difference. Um, of course, you know, way more <laughs> Um, I mean, black school and a predominantly white school. Thankfully, we did have, you know, like some, you know, black people that I could connect with. And of course, of course, race isn't the only thing that you could connect with, but, you know, you definitely could go through your own struggles with people that look like you, mm-hmm. um, especially in Boston. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, So, yeah, so, you know, definitely that was a big difference. Just the family atmosphere, um, the Southern hospitality, um, the people uh, was definitely a big difference. Um, The I I would say, you know, both of them had a strong academic rigor and both of them had a strong history. Right. Mm. So Harvard, you know, had its history, you know, what I mean, being like, you know, one of the first colleges or I guess the first college, you know, in 16. Thirty-six or whatever um, to be founded, and uh, you know just a history of like presidents and you know Michelle and Barack Obama, and you know just all these people that went to the school. Yeah. Um, so so they had a great history, American history, but you know um, Hampton being a black college, we had a, a a different kind of American history, right? Still American history because of all of the people that contributed to you know society that came from that school but also just like culture and me learning about you know different people that different people that were black but they came from different areas of the world mm. so the diversity was on a whole nother level yeah. like people from alaska you know or people from the west coast you know like i had just never met so many different types of black people you know so the diversity um was was different and the history you know was different so i mean very different (laughs) in a lot of ways but both um beautiful experiences
0: how would you say your experiences uh, growing up in the pink houses prepared you for hampton and harvard
1: right right no absolutely um well a lot (laughs) um you know, definitely. mm. All right. So pink houses, what it taught me was that you have to work at what you want, right? You have to go hard at what you want. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we didn't have a lot of money growing up, but Mm -hmm. we had to, you know, use the resources that we had in order to survive. Right. So, you know, from, you know, whether the television wasn't working yeah, and you, you had to <laughs> improvise and use that hang-up to get good Shout reception. Shout out hang you, you know bro. what I'm saying? Or, or if you had to, you know, stretch that mayonnaise, mm-hmm. like, literally, like, people be talking about mayonnaise sandwiches, but, like, we, you know, really went through that whole... You know, if you don't have any meat or you can't afford any meat, we yeah. had to, you know, make do with ham, um, mayonnaise sandwiches. Sometimes you could put bacon on it. But yeah. I used to eat the swine back in the day. You know what I mean? But yeah. that's, you know, what you have to do is survive: Oodles and noodles. You know what I mean? Making yeah. it in different ways. So basically being creative, mm-hmm. I think, um, prepared me for Hampton and Harvard. Like just using that creativity. Like you have to find when you don't have resources or regular you know money to be able to afford an after-school program you have to do your research and find you know the free programs Mm -hmm. and you know you got to hustle to make it all the way to harlem if that's what they're offering the free programs like so what you just have to put in the work get on the train like prepare your mind for that you know that level of um you know a different ride a different experience
0: Mm -hmm. indeed and how i mean because coming from any hood in america and abroad right it's you gotta stay hungry literally like like that is the only way you're gonna make it um what inspired you to keep moving? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, when when shit is crazy, when you are like, I don't want to get on another train, I don't want to talk to another soul. <laughs> if somebody gives me any more advice, I'm a stream. Like, information <laughs> overload. Like, how have you been able to stay hungry?
1: Right. Um. Shoot. How have I been able to stay hungry? Um. Man... I mean, I think that, you know, always having the humility around me um, and and giving back and, you know, leaving pink houses, but never, you know, never forgetting about pink houses. Right. So, you know, always, always going back and always seeing like saying, you know, everybody didn't have the same, you know, opportunities as me, or everybody didn't follow the same path as me, or, you know, there's still young women today that, you know, think that they could only grow up and be a basketball player, which is what I thought, right? Mm-hmm. So that's all I saw on TV. So I think that that keeps me hungry, like, you know, just just wanting more, not only for myself, but, you know, for those coming after me. And also knowing that everything that my mother went through, right, as a single parent, Um, you know, to to sacrifice for me as a teenage mom, right? She had me when she was 18. Mm -hmm. Like, everything that she had to give up, you know, in her 20s to raise a child, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean, by herself. And, you know, even even the sacrifice that my dad made, I mean, when he did, you know, get it together and, you know, was in my life and things like that, you know, I also stay hungry for them. Like, if Mm -hmm. they're still working, then I still got to work. You know what I mean? Mm Because I want to put them out of work, you know, just because they've done so much for me. So just seeing them every day that keeps me hungry as well. Um, and, you know, just my family that still lives in pink houses, you know what I mean? Like, you know, just knowing I want to move them out one day, you know? Um, but yeah, that's that's definitely, those are, those are things, like going back, seeing, you know, giving back and just seeing people that, I, I was listening to this woman on the bus yesterday and she was just, you know, on Thanksgiving and she was talking about, like, how she's not working right now. She's working hard to look for a job and, you know, she's just out there. So, you know, just being able to hear stories like that, like, it helps me to stay hungry and know I got to keep going because, you know, I'm still here and have, have been given all these blessings, like, to give to others. So I think that always, you know, just keeps me hungry. Like, yo, like, it's a bigger purpose. We, we got to do this for the world, like, not just for you.
0: Yeah, for sure. And speaking, you know, speaking of doing it bigger and kind of giving more to the world, talk to me about Cold World Changes and why
1: you created that yeah absolutely so that that
0: definitely was a a birth out of hampton um i met this
1: woman who you know was just really dope she was from philly um she was a woman of faith you know she was also a christian and you know we we just really hit it off um in the very beginning, um, she kind of lured me in with the Kirk Franklin song into her dorm,
2: mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and
1: that's really how later I found out that you know she got me to be her friend. But uh, but yeah, but but we really um, held each other accountable, and 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 one day we told each other we were just walking down the street in New York, and we were just like, "Yo, what would you do if you you couldn't fail?" And um, and you know this that just became a mantra for us. And so we were like, man, like we've been, after that, we held each other accountable for like two years. She was able to go to grad school. I was able to like work at Barclays Center, which I'm sure we'll talk about later, but Mm -hmm. you know, just go after these like big dreams, big goals. But we did it by holding each other accountable, speaking every two weeks, every like quarter or whatever, to go through our goals and just being really intentional about what we wanted to do, but together. So we were like, can we do this for other people? So we thought of co-world changers, like can't change the world by yourself, Mm -hmm. somebody else. And so co-world changers was birthed out of that. Like we, we do talks and coaching, helping people to, and and right now it's really, you know, social media, just inspiration, but helping people to get an accountability partner Mm -hmm. and, and work on their goals, like go after their dreams and, you know, not try to do it by themselves, but do it with somebody else. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, and those themes are, like heavily influenced also I think by sports right so you know being at Hampton you know you graduated with a degree in sports management tell me uh how having a degree in sports management um how you were able to leverage that when you graduated so definitely talking about like how you how you went to um and got to Barclays but also talk about like the importance of a team and having a team and building a team as well
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I even I did, you know, graduate with um, you know, my my bachelor's in science in sport management and I even got the interest in sport management, um, you know, from my from my being on a team, right? So in high school I was captain of my basketball team. I mm. was um a player at Harry Venart still, which shut down now, but you know, we we were right back in the days. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: um, um, yeah, so man, like Honestly, that teamwork, you know, really helped me throughout my life, right? Um, knowing the importance of, okay, I have a role to play and so do my other players. So, you know, um, so we have to be in this together, right? Uh, very important in getting me to, you know, each level of my life. I mean, I had a team of people, you know, my mentors and my boss and the, the, my, um, uh brother Carlos who took me on a college tour oh, like shout out to you brother, brother Carlos. From Apex. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Bro, Apex, yes, yeah. You know what I mean? So, you know, he was part of the team. My my college advisor, you know, at my high school, she was part of the team. Um, you know, and and at each level I always had this team um to help me get to the next level. So, you know, that was very important for me. And um, you know, graduating with his um degree in sport management, we talked about those kind of dynamics all the time, right? Mm-hmm. Um and, and used it, right? Um to 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 work out different problems and 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 talk about uh, how how marketing teams and you know sales teams um, are are the ones really moving the ball behind the or off the court, right? Mm. Um, so so absolutely, you know, team team is very important and you know has come up in different times in my life. Um, but but yeah, I mean, even the team, you know, I had to I didn't have to, but I decided to write you know, seven seven drafts of my essay before I went to Harvard. So I had a team of people, you know, looking at looking at my essays because I wanted to make sure that this was right, you know, um, and, and just telling me different things about it. So I think that team aspect is is critical. You know, if you're doing something big, um, it goes beyond yourself, right? Beyond the accountability partner sometimes, um, to even a team of people to help you to execute
0: indeed 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 and why hop into sports management at all and how did that lead you to Barclays
1: right so hmm. okay it was a it was a it was definitely a journey to to sport management so when i was on my team in high school there was a group called Powerplay NYC mm-hmm. and they were just starting honestly like this was their first year and they were targeting girls that were athletes uh, to show them this the business of sports right mm-hmm. not just sports yeah. so so they they told they told us okay we're meeting in manhattan once they said we're going to the city like they had me i was yep. like okay we're I'm going out. to the city like it's a wrap yep. right I, i'm going i'm there you know so we met at sports illustrator offices um at the time of sports Illustrated for women they had that and they met and then I met all these women like over the course of probably a year this after school program. They introduced me to women that worked on teams. So they might have played sports before, but, you know, they worked for, you know, they were the head of business operations and, you know, uh, the head of um, community development. And, you know, just all these or writers or reporters like I started to meet women that looked like me for the first time in professional careers right mm. um so you know before that i was like all i saw on tv was fingers and you know i wmba had probably just started so i just started seeing you know that you could play professional basketball yep. but that was the first time when i was introduced to wait maybe i could work you know behind the scenes so that seed was planted in me at 16 years old and uh and stayed with me um until you know c- college when you know, um, it really became a reality when I tried out for the team at Hampton University, and um, you know, they decided that my talents were probably too good to make the team, so mm. I think, you know, they, they, they didn't give me a call back, so I was like, you know what, that's okay, yeah. you know what I mean, D1, you know what I mean, I understand, you know, y'all gotta do what you gotta do, yeah, yeah, you know what yeah, I'm saying, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, so I didn't make the team, and, and that, you know, that kind of thwarted my little hoop dream, mm. Um, but not totally, right, because I was like, well, if I can't play on the court, then I could, you know, work off the court. So I was like, let me think about, let me think about this whole sport management thing. And, um, you know, really thought about it, spoke to my mom about it and, you know, changed my major. I came in as broadcast journalism, but I switched it to sport management um, after realizing like, all right, you know what I mean? I know I want to work in sports. I know I love sports. Mm -hmm. I don't want to give it up just because I can't play. Um, So let me change my major to sport management. And that's how. That's really how I got into it. Now, leading, you know, with, with that, that's when I, you know, just kept going from there, working sports, you know, for 10 years after that. Mm-hmm. Um, I honestly... The road to the Barclays Center, when I found out that <laughs> that there was going to be a team in Brooklyn, I knew I had to yeah, be on it. We got to get like, on oh. it, baby. It was meant for <laughs> you know, me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I was like, oh, no. I'm from Brooklyn. I love sports. I work in sport management. Like, I was like, man, this team is coming to Brooklyn. This is going to be a free. Yep, <laughs> so, um, so you know what I'm saying so I was like all right bet like I don't know how I'm going to do it but you know I know what I learned from pink I was right creativity yep. I know I have to um keep these relationships I've learned from you know the women that I worked with before that I have to um you know stay in touch with people and um and 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 really you know keep in touch and and do what I have to do to get these opportunities so I met this woman and, um, she worked at AT&T, honestly, when I first met her. But mm-hmm. then a couple, I stayed in touch. A couple months later, she got hired by the Nets while they were still in Jersey. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, 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 had her come to my school and speak. I worked at the high school of sport management at the time. Um, and then after that, I kind of spoke to her on the side, like, you know, I would love to work with, you know, the Nets one day. And then she's like, okay, this was like a year and a half before I got hired even. Mm-hmm. So. Um, she was like, if anything ever comes up, I'll let you know. So I stayed in touch with her probably, like, every two months. Just, you know, I went out to Jersey, went to games. Like, I was like, no, this is going to be my job. So let me go in there, go over there and meet as many people as I can. Yep, yep. I was just I was just getting tickets to, like, yep. going to stuff. I looked online when they were coming to Brooklyn. They had all these community events. I was at every community event, wow. either covering it, doing what I had to do. And then so one day in the summer when they opened it, she emailed me like, hey, come in, you know, I want to talk to you about something. It was about being the community liaison um, for Barclays Center. She was like, when I came in, she said, when I had to create this position, you were the first person to come to mind. Wow. And so I always tell people, you know, it's not they, they always say it's not just who what you know is who you know Mm -hmm. but it's not only who you know but who knows you Mm -hmm. so that's why i say you have to stay in touch with people like stay on people's minds so that it won't be like you have to reach out to them for opportunities when the opportunity comes they think of you because you've already kept that relationship going you've already stayed in touch with them so they they think of you when they see an opportunity that matches you so that's Mm -hmm. that's really how i got there
0: shout out to that shout out to the importance of building and sustaining relationships
1: mm-hmm you like gotta do
0: it yeah that's so 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 necessary and it's crazy how you know when you were going you know going to college you wanted to study broadcast journalism and now you're a content producer so talk to me about kind yeah. of like that journey as well simultaneously yes. doing the sports thing
1: right no absolutely so um so that that came in a funny way too so when uh, I was in college, right? I came in as a broadcast journalism major, didn't make the team. I also didn't get into this journalism program at the school. Mm. And so funny enough, you know, like the way life has it, you know, fast forward to today and I'm a journalist. But um, so, you know, I, I worked in sports, you know, when I got out of when I got out of college, went to Harvard. I mean, sure. I interned at the Knicks, honestly, after after I well, right before I graduated, mm-hmm. went to Harvard. Then looked for a job for a year, worked at, like, different high schools because I had a master's in education.
2: Mm-hmm. So I was trying to
1: find what would what would gel the two, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so there was this high school for the high school sport management, and and they had people, the high school sport management had, um, you know, I met them through Power Play, honestly. Mm-hmm. So anyhow, worked at the WNBA, <laughs> which, you know, which I only got because I spoke at one of Power Play's events, but after the WNBA, I wanted to work at a school um, because it mixed education and sport management. So, boom, I worked at that school. Mm-hmm. But in year three, but the Internet was just becoming a real big thing and, you know, um, blogging and things like that. So they wanted somebody to write for them for the school website and to create a website and to create content, you know, like for the kids, but also for the parents and things yeah. like that. So that's really how I got my, like start in journalism wow. um writing blogs for the school and then that's when they were like yo all-star weekend is coming up you should go cover it for the school so i went to all-star exactly but using my relationship that i built at the WNBA, you know what i mean to to go back there and to be able to have any all that access and just mm. you know i stayed in touch with those people so that's how i was able to you know gel the two together and um so yeah so i started writing content started covering events in Brooklyn and you know Manhattan and things like that and so for two years I was like a reporter basically for the school um but then you know I started to pitch my places my mentor got me to write um, with Black Enterprise Mm -hmm. and then somebody saw my work in Black Enterprise my other mentor got me to write with Slam Magazine then from there (laughs) you know writing for Slam um a friend of mine started working for ESPN, she's like, Do you wanna write for us? Yeah. So I started writing for ESPNW. So, you know, and it just kept on going. I started my own blog. It was like you can't wait for a producer, you gotta produce yourself. Mm. So I was like I was like, I gotta I gotta produce my own content. So that's when I, you know, started me as Fulcore Press
2: mm-hmm. and
1: you know, started covering events myself, interviewing people, you know, myself and um, and yeah, so it all started from there. So that's how I got into content production and you know, still writing for Black Enterprise. Still now I'm writing for Bleacher Report as well, so Mm. you know still still producing that content. Um, But that's really you know how it started. So, you know if if you fail, (laughs) you know you could always come around back to it. That's
0: a fact. That's what I say. That's That's a fact. That's a fact. So even just thinking about like your your grind must be crazy. Just thinking about like it takes a lot of work and energy to produce content. Like, for real. So what are you eating and or drinking that will sustain yourself in such a way? So when you show up to be front row at the game, to interview these people, to do the research, to create these pieces, like, what are you eating and drinking that will be an alignment to have you show up in a particular way?
1: Nah, I love it. You got to talk about what you're eating on the Stay Hungry
0: podcast, right?
1: Well, uh, so physically, you know, um, I'm, I, I, I've, I've been like, I don't know. Oh, I know when it was. My uncle passed away when I was like twelve, and so you know that really um, that really got me health conscious early because they really didn't know why, and he didn't eat healthy. And he used to tell us about how he used to go to the drive-through, you know. Um, and, and get McDonald's like every day and we had saw him gaining weight but you know we didn't know it was going to be that big of an issue but you know they like found him in the shower one day like you know what I mean like oh, literally and that's how he yeah just like just all of a sudden right so that really got me health conscious and I honestly became a vegetarian um, around the same time so I haven't eaten meat you know pretty much since then since I was like 13 so, um, wow. so definitely you know I don't I don't do the meat thing. I do do fish. Mm-hmm. So I'm a vegetarian, but I do do that. So that's one thing that I don't eat, but uh, I do eat a lot of greens. I've just, ever since then I've always been, well, not really ever since then first starting out, you a kid, I mean, eating French fries and sandwiches yep. with no meat, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, but now I, I definitely, um, you know, I eat a lot of greens. Um, I love making sauteed kale. I buy, you know, probably fresh kale once a week, just because I love my, just to saute it down sometimes. And, um, and put it in, put some garlic, put some, you know, some seasoning in it. Yeah. And um I like that. Um I do like I do like smoothies. I like them regularly, so I use the same kale, put it in my smoothie, my bananas, my strawberries, my peanut butter, my honey, you know, mm-hmm. if I wanna sweeten it up a little bit. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I do love my smoothies. Um, what else? I do like, I do, like I said, I like my fish, you know, just to keep the protein in there sometimes. Trail mix keeps me going, you mm-hmm. know, especially if I got a long day interviews and stuff like that. Yep. You get that, you get that, um, those packs of trail mix from Trader Joe's, mm-hmm. the ones that already come in the bag mm-hmm. <laughs> to let y'all a couple of them with you on the road. And, um, and yeah, I do that. Um, but yeah, I mean, everything else that like doesn't involve meat, I usually eat <laughs> greens. Mm. You know, beans, tomatoes, potatoes, <laughs> oh, <laughs> all of you that, all that. Of, you know, all the other side. You know, I, I eat that, but yeah, oh, that's dang. what I eat. And then, you know, but the, the, the mental eating, you know, is really what, you know, is really what sustains you, right? Yeah. So. You know, I definitely. I mean, I'm a Christian, so I definitely read read the Bible. I mm-hmm. eat the Word mm-hmm. of God. Um, but also motivation. Like, I'm I'm big on motivation. You know, I feel like it's like a shower. You know what I mean? I, I try to take one. You know, take a little bit. You know,
2: yep. take it
1: every day. Yep. Um, and you know, I, I do. I do. You know, listen to tapes. I do listen to videos and oh, the Zig Ziglers and the Eric Thomas, of course. And mm-hmm. you know, I I eat. I feed my mind with positive things because I know you know, that that's going to help me and sustain me as well. So I definitely make sure I have a healthy diet of, uh, of motivation.
0: That's a fact. That's a fact. And just thinking about, uh, like, getting the word and utilizing kind of, like, inspiration from other people, who, and it doesn't necessarily have to be a specific um, industry, but who are people that you've been able to look at um, that are on a team together that you're like, yo, that is a super dope dream team? And it could be Mm. on, like, in any industry you can imagine. It could be in fashion. It could be in sports. It could be in music. It could be in whatever you are thinking. Like, who are your top three dream teams?
1: My top three dream teams? Hmm. Man. um, Okay, in anything. Very successful teams. Very good question. I love it. So, I'll, uh, let's see. I'll take sports. Yeah, I'll, I gotta say you one. You gotta sport. do at least one. Now, I gotta, go on. <laughs> I gotta do at least one. So I can't yep. just give up my sports altogether. Yep. So for sports, um, dream team. I mean, man, like the ninety, <laughs> the ninety six. I would say I, I gotta. I can't say nobody else other than Nick, right? But even though they didn't win a championship, right? Mm-hmm. No matter of fact, this was 97. Because I remember because this is, this is how I found the Lord. But '90 um, <laughs> 90, 97, I say the 97 Knicks, right? We had John Stark. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? We had Patrick Ewing. You know, we just had we just had a strong team, right? And the Knicks are still my team. I'm from I love the Knicks, right? We'll never not love the Knicks. You're so, um, the game all the
0: time. You you,
1: you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yes, right? Don't they got someone coming out now? But yeah, um, but yeah, I, I I gotta say, I gotta say those Knicks. I mean, I think Chris Child was Chris Child was on there. Like they had well, I believe. Mm. Like like I'm talking about back when the Knicks were the Knicks. You know what mm, <laughs> I mean? Like Knicks. we had a couple of fights. Yeah, we had a couple of fights, but we had that we had that um that dog in mm-hmm. us, right? Mm-hmm. So I think I love the nineties, yeah, the nineties mix, I'll say, you know, um, for that dog that they had. I mean, Marcus can be, right? I mean we just had I mean, you know, we go had in, the people. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So so, you know, so I gotta say the nineties mix, right? I'm, I'm gonna say that's one. Mm-hmm. Um, two man, I just you know, I gotta say Diddy's Diddy and his team, mm-hmm. you know, because They just can't stop, won't stop. Like, it's not a day. I mean, I don't know if it's because, you know, it's not a day that I go by social media where I don't see him. Mm -hmm. But also just what he's been able to do. I mean, granted, from coming from the label, right, to, you know, as far as business-wise, right, let's say on the business side, this is my team. Mm -hmm. Coming from the label, right? And and coming from Yonkers, whatever, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, Being a black man trying to come up, too um you know started out with music but then you know was just able to go into so many other lanes I mean you know from from you know from his clothing of course you know his deals with the rock Mm -hmm. and you know and his I mean to make a tv network that's not only a network but it's like a popping network you know Mm -hmm. what I mean like one that people you know are watching and you know like it's you know, is doing his thing. Um, yeah, I think that he has made, you know, major moves, especially going, you know, from music to media. And media is just such a, such a huge influence on civilization as a whole, yeah. not, you know, only people of color, but just as a whole to be able to bring your brand to the place where you have that kind of influence. Um, I think it's amazing. So I would say Diddy and his team, um, just for his grit and like I yeah, <laughs> I don't think rigor. I think he's his hunger, right. Yeah. <laughs> right. His his hunger is next level. <laughs> so, um so yeah, I'd definitely say him. And then um I wanna say on like a like a personal because everybody that's successful in business is not successful in their personal yeah. life. So um so a team that I would say say is successful that I see like family oriented i mean i'll I'll, I'll give a shout out to my pastor dr al bernard like Mm -hmm. he's 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 for some reason has been able to you know keep his family tight i mean sure he got 22 grandchildren not to say that that you know makes you more of a, a great man or whatever but you know, like he has been able to, um, you know, just sustain his ministry for such a long time. And, you know, I know that that doesn't come without a great team, without his son, Pastor Jamal, and, you know, um, you know, the, his wife, of course, you know, first lady, and, you know, just being able to come from, you know, a storefront. People talk about his mega church, but he started out, you know, in a high school, renting out the basements. It's not like he mm. started out and just bought this big church. He had a vision, right? Yeah. You know, in the 70s, we're starting out with four members. So, you know, I think that that on, like, the personal side, I would say that that's a good team that I watch. And I'm like, dang, y'all had to, you know, y'all had to really, you know, go through some things and sustain a lot to be able to maintain all of this throughout the years
0: obviously the podcast is called everybody eats when you hear the term everybody eats what comes to mind
1: when i think of the term everybody eats what comes to mind oh um community Mm. and um that's the that's the first thing that comes to mind is like community right because you don't want to just you know get enough for for yourself Um, you want to make sure that everybody eats. Mm. And that's the mentality. I feel like when you have the mentality, you'll never go truly hungry. Mm. Um, Because, like, we see people, like I said, I mean, Diddy, um, you know, we could even look at Jay-Z, right? Um, These are two people that have great brands, but, you know, we saw them bring people up under them, right? Um, You know what I mean? So we saw everybody in, you know, Rockefeller, we saw everybody in, you know, um, bad, boy. Uh, bad boy, you know what I mean? Like he, he kept on consistently bringing people under him and you could see people that he mentored and he trained. So I think that everybody eats is about that community about that, you know, making sure it's not just for you. Cause we see rappers that, you know, haven't done the same thing, have, have had long careers, but if you don't see anybody that they put on, you know, it's just kind of like they could only go so far. I feel like they have a cap on their success because they're not bringing anybody else along with them. So, mm-hmm. Um, So, so yeah, I say that everybody eats means community, that, you know, you're about giving back. You're about making sure that, you know, it's it's spread out, that you're not just hustling and eating for yourself, but making sure that everybody eats.
0: I think... Specific, like hip hop and sports are super similar, right? Just as far as when you think of sports, I think oftentimes you think male dominated industry, et cetera, et cetera. So, who are like two to three women in hip hop? And they could be like industry designers, et cetera. Like, who are two to three women in the hip hop culture that you think have changed the game?
1: Mm, two or three women artists that have changed. They don't names. have
0: to be artists. They could be artists. They could be in the industry. They could be a designer. Anything in hip hop. They 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 need to have had like shaped hip hop culture in some type of way.
1: Mm. mm okay. Okay.
0: Um, well, I will say, I will give a shout out
1: right in the very beginning to Queen Latifah. I would have to say, like she's she's the first person that comes to mind when um when you think of somebody i mean she was an artist you know but not only did she do that but she was able to you know to take her take her talents to the business side and use it as a platform as well so i gotta give queen you know her props for everything that she did with that i mean flavor unit you know entertainment i mean you know even living single like just being able to i really like when people are able to use you know hip hop as the platform, and then it springs them to other things. Um, I would also say, you know, April Walker. I gotta give a shout out to, <laughs> one, shout out time. Out to <laughs> one time Saka of fashion, yep. but yep, um, yep, yep. you know, I, I would I would have to give a shout out to her, and um, you know, just because of what she did for fashion. You know, starting out very early. And sorry for the background noise, but starting out very early with the call to knives and. And, you know, everybody and everything that she did with them, yeah, indeed. Um, you know, with Walk Aware and, you know, putting it on artists like Victoria's B.I.G. And Tupac and, mm-hmm. you know, Jay and, yep. you know, just even Diddy, you know, back in the day. So, you know, just being able to be a woman in, in that, you know, very male heavy industry um, was very important. And then, um, man, I mean, there's so many executives up there that you know, was on the, on the business side. Um, I'm trying to think of her name with the S. Oh, I can't remember. Yes. Yes. Sylvia Rohn. Yeah. I would have to give her a shout out because, you know, she did so much on the business end, you know, which um, I know that a lot of people, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't have gotten the careers that they had, you know, without her help and being, being able to be in those rooms with, you know i'm sure a lot of white men yeah you know yeah. that look you know look totally opposite of her but she was able to hold her own and you know just um just really advocate for people and you know and they're still doing her thing you know what i mean so um so yeah i would have to give a shout out to sylvia rome for what she did for the hip-hop industry
0: and yeah that's just three but of course we could think of so many more for but sure, you know for that's sure, the first sure. three that that come to mind Copy, copy, copy. So what are three major keys that you will want to leave our listeners with?
1: Three major keys. Hmm. Okay. Um. Things that have always, things that have always, I feel like, maybe helped me. Um. Let's see. Number one, number one, humility comes before honor. Like, I feel like that has, you know really been like a life theme of mine um because a lot of times we think that well not we but people think that oh I can't do this because I'll be embarrassed or or even when you're humbled and you know you lose a job or you know you're humbled and you don't get a you don't get a contract or you you don't get an audition or you know, just something happened. Or, you know, you don't make the basketball team, right? right? But it's been those moments that have always preceded the best moments in my life. And so you just have to know in those moments that this is because I'm going through this valley because I'm about to climb up this mountain and get on this mountaintop. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I think that whole, you know, humility precedes honor. You have to know that either you have to humble yourself or when you're humble that this means that you're about to go to the next level, right? Um, so that would be one. Um, number two, major key, definitely the staying in touch with people, mm. the whole, you know, it's not only who you know. Yes, yeah. it's not only who you know, it's who knows you. You know, if you want to be somewhere, the community is, is. I, I mean, that has gotten me every position that I've had, yeah. um, you know, being able to know somebody that's there. Um, You know, you you get your, you solve, every problem is solved through a person, right? Um, You know, whether it's an assistant, whether it's a, even if you apply for a job, somebody's reading that application, like, it's always through people, so treat people well, um, follow up with them, um, and make sure that, you know, for whatever goal you have, you know, people that have done that goal before, people that are near that goal, people that are in that industry. Um, And let's see, number three. Number three, what do I love? Number three major key, and I, and I really, really want to pull something that related to food. But, um, but you know, uh, it all starts with what you feed your mind. Mm. I feel like mindset, your mindset sets your attitude, your attitude sets your approach, and your approach sets your success or failure. Right. So it all starts with the mind. So make sure that, you know, when you're getting up, you know, it's not, you know, checking something negative or listening to something negative. It's, you know, encouraging yourself or reading something positive or, you know, feeding yourself, feeding your mind first um, so that everything else could fall into place after that. Yeah, Because if you don't have a healthy mindset, then it'll be hard to, you know, to speak healthy things. Right. To speak healthy things to yourself, to speak healthy things to others. So I feel like it all starts with that mindset. Um, yeah, have a healthy mindset. Make sure you're feeding your mind what it needs in order to be successful. Indeed, indeed.
0: And where can people find you on the internet? People
1: can find me. Make sure this is People can find me at MiaHall19.com. Everything is there, but also on Facebook at Mia's Full Press and on the Gram and Twitter at Mia underscore Hall. 19. Mia! You the best! (laughs) Ah, Thank you, Serena. I'm so glad we made this happen today. I know, I
0: know, I know. My name is
1: Mia Hall, and you are listening to the Everybody Eats Podcast.